You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1164 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's episode will break down what became a nice victory for the Hawks. That is four in a row for Atlanta. They go up to Charlotte, up I-85, and get a 113-91 to victory over the previously hot Charlotte Hornets. A lot to get to in this game, but broadly speaking, it was a pretty dominant effort from Atlanta. They won every quarter. In fact, the Hornets scored 22 points exactly in the first three quarters each, which is usually not what you want if you're trying to win basketball games in the modern NBA. And the Hawks didn't play a perfect game on offense. They were just kind of okay. And then defensively, they probably weren't quite as good as the numbers indicated because Charlotte gave them a lot of help. But they were good defensively, especially by this team's standards for this season. They were they did enough on offense. Trey Young was very good in this game offensively. And the Hawks put together a pretty complete effort in getting this win on the road, and with the win, you know, they're clawing closer to 500 at this point in time. It's still a little bit premature, but when you win four games in a row, things are feeling a lot better. You can definitely feel that in the atmosphere around the team at this point in time, so we'll get into all of that as well, but it was a uh, pretty much a wire-to-wire victory for Atlanta and a nice way to either start last, start this week, I should say, or end last week, depending on how you want to look at it from their standpoint. So getting into the context of this game a little bit at the outset, the Hawks were... Um, at least as healthy as the Hornets in this game. Clickapella was removed from the injury report entirely. They got Gallinari and Herter. Both were questionable in this game, actually. Herter was actually out of the injury report with a hip contusion. Those guys ended up playing, though, and playing reasonably well. Um, Madonovich did miss the game. He was the one guy that was out for the Hawks. That's five games in a row for Madonovich with his balky knee. But beyond that, Charlotte was missing um, McDaniels, but they were mostly healthy in their own right. And again, I mentioned they were hot earlier. They've won seven of their last eight games before this. So Charlotte was maybe due for a clunker, but at the same time, they've been playing very well. And the Hornets, even with this loss, are five games over 500 and 13-7 at home. So this is a good opponent the Hawks just beat on the road in pretty convincing fashion. The Hawks were actually underdogs in this game, and that made sense, to be honest. I think, candidly, that the Hawks are better than the Hornets, which I kind of talked about last week on the uh, podcast I did, sort of a mailbag show. I talked about the uh, future-facing elements of the season and where the Hawks actually stack up. But in the standings, Charlotte was well ahead of Atlanta coming into the night, also playing at home without a rest disadvantage. And uh, once uh, Herter and Gallinari were ruled in, the Hawks were only two-point underdogs, according to our friends at Atlanta AG. So it wasn't like it was a huge spread, but kind of a coin flippy game with Charlotte having home court was the way the market was looking at this particular contest. So at the outset, it was kind of sluggish, actually, from both sides in this game. Candidly, I was watching this game quickly in the first half. Uh, I was catching up. I, I was actually traveling this weekend and actually all of last week, basically, and uh, trying to get caught up while kind of watching two parallel paths in this contest, but during the rewatch, it was kind of uh, you know confirming some stuff that I saw in real time, and also adding to some more observations that I had. But kind of a slow start. I will note that Capella started this game. That was not a surprise to me in any meaningful way, honestly. I know he didn't start on Friday, but um, McMillan was very clear that he was going to start when he came back. And honestly, Capella was pretty good in this game. Okongwu was also pretty solid as well off the bench, but we saw the split that's more likely to continue, I think, in this game with Capella playing 26 minutes, Okongwu with 16 minutes, and a little bit of Collins at center, a little bit of garbage time as well weaved in there. Um, Trey Young, by the way, went from being guarded by Caleb Martin 
in Miami on uh, sorry, not in, I guess at home against Miami on Friday to being guarded by um, Cody Martin in this game. Twenty four hours later, I guess maybe closer to forty eight hours later, but still, um, the Twins both guarded him. Um, that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, Kevin Shinaro with the hat tip there, as I kind of forgot about that, but it makes a lot of sense when you kind of look back at the two things and they're very similar players in a lot of ways, um, as you might as you might expect. So, um, it was nine to nine. At the first time out, it was kind of a choppy start. Both teams, I think, were 4 of 10 at the outset from the floor. Um, rotationally, there was one quick um, foul trouble note because Capella got two fouls in a hurry. They went to actually Gallinari with Collins as the first sub. Um, I think maybe to stay away from McConaughey just a little bit longer. Um, for the most part, that went to pair McConaughey with the small ball lineup that Charlotte was running. And the Hornets basically only, only play one true center in the rotation for the most part. It's, it's Plumley, and then from there they kind of go small with P.J. Washington at center a lot of the time, and they kind of wanted to have Hongwell look like playing against that unit, so they actually stayed a little bit smaller, which might sound counterintuitive, but when you factor in uh, how small Charlotte actually plays and Hongwell's strengths and weaknesses, actually made, it does make some sense to kind of stay with a Collins-Gallinari front court against a Plumley-led Hornets team. Um, they went to DeLon Wright as the first sub for Kevin Herter on the wing. No surprises there. And then Trey Young played the entire first quarter. Hunter almost did as well. He got banked up later on, which we'll talk about at the end of the podcast. Um, Charlotte missed some free throws at the, at the outset. That was the theme throughout this game. And then their three-point shooting became probably the major theme. If you were not just covering the Hawks side of this, which, of course, I am on the show, if you were doing a national recap of this game, I think the number one headline would be Charlotte three-point shooting. Um, as a spoiler alert, they shot four of 36 from three. Yes, four of 36. And uh, that was probably going to explain a large portion of the uh, deficit between uh, the two teams in this game. At any rate, it was actually a pretty uh, ugly live ball turnover by Trey Young in the first quarter that ended in a dunk. And McMillan called a quick timeout at 14 to 14. But from that point forward, the Hawks never trailed again. It was 14 to 4 in terms of the run after that timeout to go up by 10 points, they led by eight at the end of the first quarter. And it was pretty good on offense in that period. They were 10 of 14 on twos, only one turnover from the Hawks, and it was actually that live ball one from Trey that led to a layup. But he had 11 points. He was very good in this game, and the Hornets were uh, cold from the floor as they were for most of the game. Um, In the second quarter, they went to the full bench unit. I don't love that, as I always say on the show. If you're a new listener, though, I don't love the full bench units when they play all five guys off the the, uh, reserve list. It's not as bad when they're at full strength and you're playing guys like Gallinari and Okongwu with that group. But still, not my favorite thing to do, and there's no reason for it in my mind. Alas, they were actually minus four with that group um, in that first stint, which is not going to kill you, but it's not great in a game that you win by a lot of points. Um, they also uh, used the Trey Young, Lou Williams lineup twice in this game. I don't love that either, um, especially the second half. Actually, they went to a, a Trey Young, Lou Williams, Danilo Gallinari lineup up by about 20 in the second half, which is not the time to do that. That's more of those high-variance offense first lineups that you want to use when you're maybe trailing, not in any uh, comfortable situation, but alas, that was all my uh, rotational thoughts for now. Um, Charlotte, though, was over, over 11 from three at the mid-quarter timeout, and somehow it got a lot worse than that. They scored 27 points in the first 17 minutes, allowing the Hawks to sort of take control of the game, and the Hornets just still could not make shots throughout. Um, Collins got some foul trouble as well. They actually, uh, both he and Capella had two fouls early in the second quarter, and then Collins got his third with about 440 to go in the first half. That's been a theme for him recently. It's not usually a problem for Collins, but he's had some foul trouble recently. Something to keep an eye on for the future. But they could led by as many as 13 points before halftime, before leading out by 11, actually, at the halftime break. The offense, as it was the whole game, was just okay. It wasn't fantastic. It wasn't terrible. It was just kind of in the middle by the Hawks' standards, which, by the way, 
are high standards. The Hawks are a very good offensive team. They're top two or three in the entire league in offense, so that's not like shade towards them. They were just okay. Um, second quarter actually was pretty bad offensively. They had four turnovers, 35% from the floor. They, they got to the line a lot, uh, 10 attempts in that second quarter, but it was uh, largely sort of a scatterbrained second quarter on offense because of the bench unit for the most part. Um, not terrible shooting them in the first half, but Trey had 15 points at the break. And defensively, it was quite good as it was the entire game. The Hornets, though, as I mentioned before, the whole game was really bad for Charlotte, but the first half was even worse. They were 0 of 16 from three-point range. And just for some context, the Hornets were number four in the NBA in three-point accuracy coming into the game, 37.3%. So, again, number four in the league in three-point shooting, and they were 0 of 16 from, the, from three in the first half and 4 of 36 in the game. Um, also, they, took, they take a lot of threes. You know, Charlotte is number six in the league in attempts. People were kind of um, firing off at me on Twitter and other places talking about, you know, the Hawks forcing them into bad shots. And that's definitely true. The Hawks do get some credit for this. I, I'm not going to say that um, only once. I'll probably say it again later on in the show. The Hawks do get credit for playing good defense in this game. And they absolutely did. It was one of their better performances recently on defense. Um, but Charlotte, you know, you can't imagine really any team doing what they did in this game, especially the Hornets, who are top six in the league in both attempts and accuracy. They're a very good shooting team. That did not happen in this game. Also, they missed free throws. That was helpful. But the crazy part is the Hawks were up 11 at the half, and the Hornets were shooting 60% on two-point attempts. But nothing else matters when you're that bad, honestly. They won the rebounding battle, the Hornets did, but that was basically all that I could say about their positivity in the first half, and that means a lot of good things for the Hawks. And again, the Hawks played well and played hard in that first period, uh, first half, I should say, And uh, but you, you have to say that they benefited from Charlotte's outlier bad shooting. Both can be true, and both are true in this case, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But first, before we get to the second half stuff, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also sponsored by Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy. Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy, and by week three of eating healthy, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar, every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. 
As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, and we'll dive in the second half now. The third quarter was a favorable one for the Hawks at 30-22 overall. It started right away. Trey Young had a four-point play chance on the first possession of the third quarter. Missed the free throw, actually, but the Hawks got the offensive rebound, and it ended up being a five-point possession because Kevin Herter then scored, and that pushed the lead from 11 to the largest point of this of the night at that, at that stage, I should say, at 16. So the Hawks go from basically up 11 at the half to up 16 almost at the half because it was within 30 seconds of the start of the third quarter. Um, there was a kind of risky charge take by John Collins early in the third quarter. I will say it was a perfectly done defensive play by Collins. He took the charge. It was the right call. It was executed well. It was called well. But anytime you got, a guy had three fouls at that point in time, it's a little bit scary when he tried to take a charge early in, the first, early in the third quarter. I would have hoped that Nate would have challenged if, they, if the call was wrong, but it was, it was a very, very clear charge. It was called a charge, so good defense there by Collins. There was a challenge, though, that Nate did that was kind of a weird one, and I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it because this is part of what you come for is the analysis, then uh, this is a bad challenge. <laughs> uh, the Hawks won it, which makes it even harder to explain why it's a bad challenge, but I'm going to try anyway. Um, basically, Trey was trying to get back defensively in transition, ended up being called for a foul. It probably wasn't a foul, and that was the case by, by the fact that it was overturned, but it was not a shooting foul. It was not a foul that allowed points for the Hornets, and it was also a foul that did not have a clear possession. So in the end, the Hawks win the challenge, and Nate saves the foul on Trey, but Trey was not in foul trouble. That's also important to note. If it had been Trey's four foul, then sure. But um, essentially, the end result was a jump ball, and it did not take points off the board. So it was pretty much the most low-leverage challenge imaginable, especially in the third quarter of a game, not in the fourth quarter of a game. But... Um, that's just worth noting. Also, they gave up a dunk on the possession after the, uh, after the jump ball. That didn't hurt them, obviously. They won this game comfortably. I'm not saying it's like the end of the world. But the only thing I can come up with in terms of why he might have challenged that, because it was extremely low leverage, uh, was maybe to just reward the effort of Trey Young. Uh, Trey busting it back on defense is a good thing, and I think him being called for the foul there, maybe some positive reinforcement is all I can come up with from Nate, just to say, like, look, Trey, I'm, I, I got your back here. That wasn't a foul. We're going to challenge it. They were already up comfortably at that point in time. It wasn't like a blowout, but, um, you know, in principle, on paper, it was not a good challenge, but maybe it was more of the, uh, more of the motivational aspect kind of thing. Regardless, not the biggest deal in the world. Just want to at least explain my rationale on that one. Um, and after that, by the way, there was another review within 30 seconds, and Lamelo Ball got upgraded to a flagrant one foul, and then he got technical foul as well. So they gave the Hawks some extra free throws, and that basically the Hawks got some free throws there. They got the ball scored, and then at the end of all of that, they were up by 19. So it never really got terribly close from that point forward. In fact, the Hawks then led by 22 after Trey hit a three. It was a 15 to four overall run to have their largest lead of the night, and Trey had six three pointers before the Hornets made a single one. Again, that's a single player albeit Trey Young, was six threes before the Hornets made one as a team in this game. Um, there was one more response from the Hornets. They had an 8-0 run late in the third quarter, and that actually, fa- actually factored in them hitting their only, at least their only three to that point, their first three of the night. They missed their first 19 three-point attempts, did not make one until less than six minutes left in the third quarter, and the Hawks had their one dry spell offensively. They did not score for about three and a half minutes late in the third quarter. It didn't bite them too much, though, because they had a big, after the, actually after a timeout, after it got a little bit dicey for, for a second for the Hawks, 
Um, they called timeout, and it scored five points in eight seconds. DeLon Wright got a steal after a bucket and made a three, and uh, that kind of stabilized things right away for Atlanta. And then they ended up being up by 19 at the end of the third quarter after scoring 30 points and hitting six threes in the period. Uh, in the fourth quarter, actually the lead was put away. I mean, it wasn't over-over, but I'll say the game was pretty much over because of the bench unit, actually, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. An 8-0 run with the all-bench group, so I will have to eat some crow on that one. It's not, it's not my favorite unit, but it worked out well on that point, and they led by 27 points. Lou had three-point play. Had a nice find to Kevin Knox for a dunk as well. They gave some stuff back, though. I will say they actually gave the entire run back, <laughs> uh, funnily enough. They left the game when it was up. They were they were up 19, so it went from plus eight to minus eight to even in that fourth quarter for, in the fourth quarter run by the bench unit. But still, you'll take even from that group any day of the week. And um, as I mentioned before, they went with that Trey Gallo Lou lineup. I don't love that. Regardless, though, it never really got interesting in the fourth quarter. The lead was like 16, 17, or more the entire way. The most noteworthy play, unfortunately, was the Kelly Oubre ejection for a flagrant two on DeAndre Hunter with about four and a half minutes to go. Um, it was, number one, a very dirty play, and it was the appropriate call to throw him out of the game. Flagrant 2 means an automatic ejection. That was the right decision, and the game was probably already over at that point in time. Hunter, to his credit, popped back up, made free throws, stayed in for a while, but later on had to, had to take himself out of the game, according to McMillan, and he was being evaluated, was being uh, iced up all over his uh, all over his body, basically, after that hard fall. And uh, He did talk to the media, Hunter did, after the game, and said it was kind of his back. Um, and that he seems like he's, he's going to be okay. So that's a positive thing. Even the fact that they were able, uh, that, that, that they sort of let him talk to the media is probably a positive indicator with regard to DeAndre's um, prognosis. But he did have to leave the game and go to the locker room. So we'll see if there's any like swelling or soreness moving forward. It was a very hard fall, to be sure. And Ubre, you know, kind of tried to defend himself after the game. You know, I'm, I'm sure Hawks fans did not really enjoy that play. And I think, again, I, I said it before, but it was pretty dirty and flagrant two is appropriate there. But uh, hopefully nothing long term for Hunter and we'll see how he responds. The Hawks do have an, ex- an extra day off in between games. They'll play till Wednesday. That's probably a positive for him to get some, some more treatment as they return from Charlotte. Um, so that's pretty much it down the stretch. There was no real like back and forth because the Hawks were leading comfortably the entire way. The Hornets entered the bench first with about two and a half minutes to go. The Hawks waited about a minute. Trey hit another three to get to uh, where he ended up with 30 points and um, eight threes in this game. But other than that, they entered the bench with about a minute, minute and a half to go. They brought in TLC and Skylar Mays. Uh, Gorgie Jang did not come in, but no surprise there. He's more of a veteran. So they usually kind of leave those guys off of the uh, complete garbage time lineups at the end of games. But a nice performance there from Atlanta. Um, I, I guess we'll move in now quickly to the takeaways before we get to the player side in this spot. Again, the offense was pretty solid in this game. It's a 112 offensive rating that is competitive. Uh, it is about what the Hawks average, which is, again, top five in the league, so no, no complaints there. 25 assists, 39% from three, 46% from the floor, all very solid numbers. Uh, nothing really on the offensive glass. Again, that's usually a strength for the Hawks. It's kind of gone away recently, so that's something to keep an eye on. But they played well. They didn't turn the ball over a lot at all. It's just a solid over- offensive effort. It was not great, but it was not bad either. Kind of middle of the road. And again, middle of the road for the Hawks is good. Defensively, they allowed about a 94 offensive rating for the Hornets. That is excellent stuff. Um, again, a lot of that is Charlotte's bad shooting, but the Hawks had a part in that to be sure. 436 from three is the final total for Charlotte. That's comically bad, of course. They also missed eight free throws. They shot 70% at the line. That's also well below what they normally would shoot. So those are the kind of things that um, will will definitely benefit you. And again, this is just a crazy stat. Um, Maybe it doesn't sit with you as crazy as it does with me after someone who uh, sort of looks at all this stuff all the time. But the Hornets shot 59% from two-point range in this game. Lost by 22 points at home. That is hard to do. That means you're so bad 
at least one other spot, if not multiple spots. And in this game, it was free throws, three-pointers, and turnovers. Because the Hornets also lost turnover battle. The Hawks forced 16 turnovers in this game. That's a very, very good number for the usually passive Hawks defense. And, you know, it's tough to assign credit for, like, every three-pointer. But I will say, you know, there's nothing the Hawks could have possibly done to force, quote-unquote, the Hornets into 436 from three. But they were good. If you watch the plays, as I did, um, both during and after this game, they did a good job contesting on the perimeter. They were more solid than usual. You know, Trey Young said after the game he thought it was the best defensive game of the season. I don't think that's probably true for me. I think it was definitely above average. I think it was probably one of their best five defensive games of the season overall. When you factor in process and results, I think, though, you know, there is a little bit of a, uh, you have to wait a little bit when you watch just how many shots the Hornets often make that they missed. But still, the Hawks did play well. I want to give, I'm going to be very clear here. The Hawks did a good job defensively in this game. They should be credited as such. And uh, it was, uh, they, benefited, they benefited from Charlotte's struggles as well, but they had to take it. And the Hawks did a good job performing well defensively in this contest. We'll leave that there for now, and before we get to the player stuff in this game, a word from our sponsor on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, I'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022, and with the new year, we have new updated desktop and mobile websites to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. With football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports action. And again, 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll dive in now to the players. And uh, it was a 10-minute rotation in this game. It means five guys off the bench. Five starters, and then the two guys who got only garbage time were TLC and Skylar Mays. Um, Kevin Knox played at the three in this game. That was a, another, they've sort of chosen him over TLC recently. I'm okay with that. Kind of see what you have in Kevin Knox. He's a younger guy, a lot more upside. I think if you're trying to win a game right now, I might actually choose TLC, to be honest, in that three role. Knox is a little bit better, of course, playing the four as he had to the other night. But um, notable, at least a rotation thing there. He was okay. Uh, actually, it was 0-4 on threes, but did a couple things well. A couple nice finishes around the rim. Three rebounds, had an assist and a steal and four points in 11 minutes. Lou Williams, 15, 15 minutes from Lou, nine points, four assists. It was a good Lou game. Again, he's been pretty good recently. You know, I'm not going to tell you he's lighting the world on fire, but compared to where he what he was giving them the first couple months of the season, it's been night and day. Um, that's the case for Gallinari. We'll get to him in a second as well. But I think Lou uh, deserves some credit for playing much better in the last week and a half, two weeks, and that's been good to see for the Hawks. DeLon Wright, 20 minutes, 6 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. Very DeLon Wright game, plus 12 in 20 minutes. Um, did do a ton on offense in terms of his own his own shot making. Made a 3, had that nice steal, and continues to give them really good minutes. I have been pro DeLon Wright for a long time. People are starting to see that, which I am encouraged by. Um, but I think he's been just good all season long, and he's been uh, contributing positive minutes almost every time that he plays, which is uh, all you can ask for in that backup kind of role player guard spot that he is um, sort of occupying right now. Uh, Okongwu was relatively quiet, but had a couple of them, uh, nice flashes, as he almost always does. 5.7 rebounds, had two blocks in 16 minutes. Um, I think Capello was probably a little bit better on the whole defensively in terms of calling stuff out and organizing, but I think Okongwu showed some of his flashes and uh, did a decent job against that small ball look. That's one of the strengths of Okongwu is that he can play. Um, it's not really small ball when he's playing because he's definitely a center, but he can match up with P.J. Washington, and you're not giving up anything in terms of athleticism on the perimeter, which is really good to see and kind of a nice weapon for the Hawks to uh, be able to wield in the coming days. 
Gallinari didn't shoot it great in this game, 4 of 12, but had still more juice overall, like physicality-wise, energy-wise, effort-wise, 10 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, had a block shot, was plus 13, and gave them good minutes. When he's uh, playing more physically and more um, with more energy, the shot-making usually follows, but in this game, he didn't necessarily have to have that. He gave them pretty good minutes, I thought, overall, and defensively, he was just kind of in the way in the uh, more positive moments. Still, still probably a negative overall, but uh, gave them a little bit more than usual defensively, I thought. Uh, to the starters, Capella, um, seven points on seven shots. This is not fantastic, but had eight rebounds, two steals and a block, 26 minutes. It was kind of low-key for him, but um, he was a deterrent around the rim and uh, did a pretty decent job. It wasn't like it wasn't a great Capella game. Um, and center was probably their weakest spot on the floor at times This and this, and this, and this spot for me, but they did generally get good center minutes in this game. Um, the one thing that Charlotte was able to do offensively was get, was kind of uh, finish at the rim, which is, you know, some, there's some noise in there, and they're pretty athletic and stuff like that, but I thought Capella was pretty good in his minutes, even if the uh, box score did not jump off the page. Um, John Collins had a pretty quiet night offensively, only five shot attempts, which is just kind of, it's kind of criminally low. Obviously, I'm not complaining about this every single night, but Capella, Collins got to have to shoot more and have, have the ball more. Alas, he did have five assists, by the way, which it's a rarity when Trey Young does not lead the team in assists, particularly when he's playing an entire game. But Collins had five, and Trey only had four. So the passing was good from John. Had five had five rebounds as well. Played good defense, I thought, on the whole. It was plus 11 in his 30 minutes. So a solid night, nothing, spe- nothing spectacular, I should say, but the, the passing was a notable positive for Atlanta. And then the uh, Kevin Herter actually was a pretty strong supporting piece, 11 points, then had a steal, had a block, two assists in 29 minutes. Not a great, great, great Kevin Herter game, but certainly a solid enough one. Um, some nice defensive moments, I thought, on the perimeter. Made a couple of threes that they, they kind of needed along the way and just because it was, was his solid overall self. DeAndre Hunter, 20 points, 20, sorry, two rebounds, three steals, a block, an assist, plus 19 in 34 minutes, 6 of 11 from the floor, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. That's good to see him getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. One of four on threes, which means he was actually five of seven on twos. And... Um, Again, fingers crossed on his uh, on his hard fall that he took. But again, him talking to the media is probably a positive sign. I thought he was uh, very good in this game. And you kind of see what the Hawks have been hoping to see from Hunter in spurts. And you, you, you want to keep him healthy. You want to keep him on the floor. But uh, he is a huge X factor. We've kind of seen that now from Atlanta for a long time. And then Trey Young, again, was very good. 30 points, four rebounds, only four assists for him, which is very low. But kind of some missed shots along the way there. Only one of five on twos. Kind of a weird night there for Trey, but eight of, eight of 15 from three. A, uh, I, believe, I believe at least tying a career high, if not setting one, with eight threes. Four or five from the free throw line. He had it going from three, and if he's got it going from three, good luck to the defense. He was uh, quite good in this game. And at played 35 minutes. They didn't have to push anybody's minutes too much in a comfortable win. That's always nice to see as well. So, again, sort of my overall thought here was that it was a defense first victory, but the offense was solid, like a solid, you know, B minus B kind of offensive night, and a you know definitely like a B plus or higher defensive night, and that gets you all the way there because Charlotte again is very good on offense, and to hold them, it's not always like the, the raw point total, but this is a game that was not super fast paced, and to hold the Hornets to 91 points um, through that lens is really impressive. Even if they had to help you get there, they played good defense in this game and uh, sort of doing doing that on the road in prime time, divisional opponent, etc. A nice performance on the whole for the Hawks. And again, four wins in a row. Very nice place to be. So, we'll leave it there for now on this game. The Hawks, now now from here, they're probably already on the road as, we, as I'm recording this. But they'll be back in Atlanta this evening. They have, uh, they have Monday off and Tuesday off before they play the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday. 
the schedule is relatively favorable. You know, the Hawks were technically underdogs in this game. It was kind of a coin flip game. They'll be favored on Wednesday, almost certainly, uh, barring some surprise injuries, stuff like, stuff like that. The Kings are not great. That's a game the Hawks should win. I'm not telling you that they're definitely going to win it. This is not the, they're not, the, the, the Kings are not as bad as like the Magic or the Thunder or the Rockets, but they're not good. This is a bottom seven or eight team in the league. And uh, coming into your building, and you've been playing much better recently. So this is a game where the Hawks need to win it, kind of hold serve at home to keep this momentum going. But we'll get into that more later on. But that's the next thing on the agenda for Atlanta after two days off. I'm sure they'll have a practice, maybe even two practices between now and then. But we'll keep an eye on that on Twitter and all that fun stuff. Please subscribe to this podcast. We'll have at least one show. I won't promise more than that, but definitely at least one show between now and the game on Wednesday. But if you subscribe, you will always have the show when it drops. Also, leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the show. Ratings, reviews, tell your friends, share the podcast, do all that fun stuff to help us grow the show. We really, really appreciate all the support. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, And we'll see you next time.